0: hi everyone and happy monday happy april and happy easter if you celebrate um i'm so excited about this episode with chelsea and i'm really honored to be sharing our conversation with you guys um to to preface and i I think i talk about this in the episode but um april is national sexual assault awareness month so every monday so you know for four the next four episodes i'm going to be sharing stories of survivors about their experience with either domestic violence or sexual assault um if you guys remember, I recorded with Megan Sadowski. I think it was September, maybe it was last Aug. I don't know. Time's a blur, but um, before I m- moved to Austin, and um, she was on the board of the of Exhale to Inhale. Um, so, so is Chelsea, our incredible guest for this week, and yep, I'm just so honored to be able to um bringing her our conversation you know out into the world Uh, that being said obviously we talk about some pretty heavy stuff um so if anything related to sexual assault or uh, rape is triggering for you keep that in mind before listening to this episode um or you know just keep in mind while um tuning in um anyways before i you know Play the episode. I did want to talk about a very exciting new sponsor that has to do with a life update. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I started working at Talkspace, my absolute dream job. A couple of weeks, actually, I guess it was about almost two months ago. So, about almost two months ago, um, can't even begin to explain how. Much of an incredible company they are. How honored I am to be working there. I could gush on for days. Um, and the coolest part about this is that they agreed to sponsor Salt in the City as a. Um, so, you guys can benefit from their their amazing services. I uh, to give a quick you know rundown of what Talkspace is. Um, they are a behavioral health solution, so they are a, a teletherapy company. So basically. Exactly what everyone needs right now, you know. Speaking over the phone, um, with a licensed professional about what what you're going through, um, I can you know definitely speak to my own experience about how much I will be needing therapy this week. Um, I will probably schedule multiple sessions because um I've had a rough week. But that aside, the the network of therapists at pieces unparalleled. They have over the 3,000 licensed professionals, all with a master's degree level are higher, um, which is super important because it's you're not just like speaking with coaches, you're actually speaking with, you know, legit therapists who know what they're doing um and know what they're talking about. And um 40% of them actually identify as BIPOC, which is twice the national average. Really fun fact. And uh thirty percent of the therapists Um, can speak to LGBTQ specific matters so a really wide um, you know lots of diversity in their network and some of the people I actually like work you know on the corporate side with are also therapists which is just super cool to see Um, and you know to jump to the best part with my code which is ZOE pretty easy to remember hopefully you guys get $100 off which is huge so you get a hundred dollars off to if you sign up to Talkspace use my code Zoe and start your therapy journey which you will not regret like just do it Talkspace.com uh, code Zoe boom and yeah you'll get a hundred dollars off um yeah I don't know what I'll say it's just I'm so excited to be working for them and now with them um quick plug you know if you saw the Demi Lovato documentary amazing if you didn't watch it now but basically like Demi Lovato like sponsoring Talkspace so um just kidding I'm not nearly as talented as she is but anyways I'm going to just play this episode and apologies that my voice literally sounds like Tommy Pickles um okay enjoy Welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. And today I am so excited to be here with Chelsea Quint. Um, For those of you who are not aware, April is National Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, So I am just completely honored to be here with Chelsea, who is a trauma-informed business coach and co-chair of the Young Professionals Board of Exhale to Inhale to speak to her experience as a survivor and as a person as well.
1: (laughs) All of the things here to talk about all of the things, all of the things.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, if you don't mind just telling me a little bit about yourself, where are you from? How old are you?
1: Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Absolutely. So I currently live in Brooklyn. I turned 30, Oh my gosh. Did I turn 30 a month ago? It, it, I turned 30 a month ago. I am 30 a month ago today as we're recording, um, live in Brooklyn, New York. I am a yoga teacher, entrepreneur, writer, dog, mom, all the things. Um, as for where I'm from, I kind of grew up all over. I am both an East and West coast girl. Um, I do still feel the West is the best, even though I live in Mm -hmm. New York. And, um, you know, I'm someone, I'm someone who believes so deeply in the power of our stories, which I know we will get into, but, uh, yeah, the ways that I most identify are yoga teacher, creator, writer, and that's what I got. That's what I bring to the table. What are your dog's names? So did I only say dog mom? If so, I'm a monster. Oh my god! I'm a dog yeah. and cat mom, y'all. I'm a monster. <laughs> I'm a monster. Um, so I am a new dog mom. Um, I am a new dog mom to Margot, the corgi. Technically, Margot. She's it's spelled the like French Creole New Orleans style. Um, and then I'm cat mom to Aria, and Dirty Tail is my oldest cat. His name is really Dirty Tail. <laughs> That is, is it like Aria like a Stark. Like just- Aria Stark, yes indeed.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yep. Aria Stark of Winterfell. Name. She is uh she's blind in one eye. She was a rescue, and so she's blind in one eye, hence Aria. Oh, indeed. Great name. Margot is actually also named after a sci-fi after a fictional character, but she is from the show The Magicians. She's a more nerdy, more fringe naming than aria
0: no my um my dog who's now like eating something you know work on that later <laughs> uh, is named after a fictional character as well from harry potter so got all the the nerdy um books and movies covered absolutely. here absolutely <laughs>
1: and all the female heroines i feel like right aria Margot. yeah i don't know winky Winky elf was winky elf had her home i i mean it's been a minute since i read the full series but winky elf had her she had her moments of heroism heroinism i bet yeah and she was probably a
0: a strong independent woman to dobby absolutely (laughs) whatever that means yeah anyways um so I I was fortunate enough to have the a, an amazing call with you earlier this week to learn a bit a little bit more about you um and your life and your story which you you know alluded to as j- just and I fully believe as well that our it's so important and powerful to share our stories um which is why I created this podcast um so I was hoping that you could in whichever order, you know, you think is most appropriate or is best could walk me through your history, um, with sexual abuse and assault. Yeah.
1: So, you know, it's always, it's always, and it's always hard to figure out where to start with these stories, right? Like, do I start from the moment when things started to pivot for me, right? Do I start in the moment where things started to heal? Do I start in the moment where I admitted things to myself? Um, and I, th- so I think for me, my first experience with sexual assault came in childhood. And it honestly, the experience of, experiencing sexual assault in childhood shaped so much of who I was and shaped so much of um shaped so much too of who I've become and ultimately in so many ways the person who I am and the way that I invest my time and the the you know the the things that I do are interestingly a product of what I experienced, you know? And um, all of that kind of nebulousness aside, the first time that I really kind of consciously, the first time that I really experienced sexual assault was when I was 18, 19... I'd have, to, I'd have to track back the years to figure out. I can't remember when in my freshman year of college I turned, I guess, 19. Um, but it was my freshman year of college, and I was actually home for Christmas break and experienced assault from a person who I had previously considered a friend. And it was actually, like, at my parents' house, a, a space that I thought was safe. And with people I thought were safe, right? And um, it was it was really confronting in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, one being that my entire notion of what of where and with whom I was safe was just completely flipped on its head, right? hmm And beyond that, it also did bring up experiences It brought up in, in my body. It brought up it, this feeling in my body of, like, wait, this isn't the first time I've experienced this because I didn't remember what I'd experienced as a kid. Yeah. And so... In that experience, there was both this really activating past experience of like, what? Now my body knows something that my brain doesn't know. And so I don't even feel like I can trust myself or my own experiences of what's happening around me. And then there was simultaneously this experience of this person I met my freshman year of high school. And four, five five years later, I guess, like these years later, I had this really painful violating experience. And so this person I thought I could trust around people I thought I could trust, right? All of a sudden, I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't trust the people I thought were my friends. I couldn't even trust like my childhood home. And it was, I mean... (laughs) unsettling is probably i don't i don't even have really have words for what that experience was in that moment right all all i could do is dissociate and moment by moment kind of try to try to survive and navigate in the best way i could
0: yeah i mean i think there's just so many interesting nuances to that story one being and i think we talked about this on our call how the body keeps the score like mm-hmm. in reference of that, that book, which is what I talked about in my previous episode uh, with Jarrett Rose, who's studying um, the effect of effective of psychedelics. But I think it basically, our, I think our brains are wired to protect us. Like when we're ch- children and bad things happen. I mean, granted I never took a neurologi- neuro like neuro class, but, from enough podcast reading, I feel like I can say this with some, you know, validity, that our brains are wired to protect us so that if something bad happens, you don't remember. And there's obviously different ways that those memories, those repressed memories can be brought up, whether it's through having a psilocy- like psilocybin mushrooms, or Experiencing something, experiencing something so familiar, that it's almost impossible to not think about a time, like a previous experience. Right. Um. Like, J- Jarrett, the uh, the guy I spoke with, was saying, you know, people would say, like, whenever I walk by this blue couch, I just was like, why do I feel so weird? Or like smells and all those different things that just like make you just off. And it's it's fascinating that you know, you said you were like part of what was so hard about it was that it was in a place that you considered safe. But at the same time, almost ironically, it was not si- never safe, or at least when you were there.. Yep. Is, did you feel that at all?
1: In real time? It, in real time, it was honestly so unsettling that I couldn't, I couldn't even make logical sense of it, right? Like the way that now, a little over 10 years later, I'm able to talk about it is so different (laughs) than what I was able to even conceptualize in real time, right? Because, you know, back then, I... You know, back then, much in the same way that when I was a kid and when we're all kids, like, we need our communities or our parents, right? We need these entities to keep us safe. And so just like like when I was a kid, I needed my parents and I needed that safe space so I couldn't say anything contrary-wise or really even question it. It almost, it did. It really did mirror the experience of childhood in a way that I wasn't conscious of until, I mean, it wasn't until probably at least four or five years later in therapy that I noticed like, wow, that was a very similar experience to childhood, right? Mm -hmm. Of I wasn't, I wasn't safe enough to get help I wasn't safe enough to say what was true and then that mirrored a similar experience right because it was it was also it was a you know it was a friend it was someone I'd considered a friend I didn't want to harm them which is also
0: so common like isn't it I mean I don't know the stats but it's much more likely that you will the assault would occur from a someone
1: you know than a stranger right i'm pretty sure you you are correct in that yeah it's the the law and order version of rape and sexual assault is not <laughs> accurate <laughs> extremely inaccurate and that is not to say that it doesn't happen that is not to invalidate anyone's yeah. experience who has had that experience right but it's much more common to know the person and you know this is this is one of the challenges is that when we are when we consume this narrative of what sexual assault looks like is in a dark alleyway with someone you don't know then when you experience it i don't want to speak for anyone else but my experience was i didn't even i didn't even need anyone to invalidate my story because I was invalidating myself. I was like, mm-hmm. wait, but he was my friend, but I'd known him for this long, but maybe, but we were, but I was drinking, but we yeah. were at a party, but I was, tra- maybe I was too nice. Maybe he didn't, like, I, I had those thoughts without anyone else planting them in my head or questioning me, right? So like, that, and that's so much of the narrative yeah it's so it's so
0: true, and it's like you convince yourself that it's not really rape, it's not really assault because right. of x, y, or z, mm-hmm. or you know all three together did i when did I guess you begin therapy and begin putting these pieces
1: together so given my childhood and residual impacts, even when I wasn't conscious of it, I've actually, I've, I've been in and out of therapy since I was three years old. I've, I'm someone who's been doing the therapy game for a very long time. Um, and I, I, I sought out therapists. I sought out a therapist who specialized or or had a lot of experience in um, sexual assault and rape experiences and in dealing with that kind of um, intense momentary uh, there's a term for it that I'm I'm now blanking on but like that kind of intense singular traumatic event and so I right after the experience um, it was in a descent it was like in a December over winter break I briefly went back to school and then wasn't really able wasn't really able to do school so i decided to leave come home take some time off and so i found i tried to find a therapist right after and i honestly a i struggled to find a therapist who felt safe enough it's something i think a lot of people struggle with is like finding someone who has the right expertise feels safe enough it's you know it's a really vulnerable experience to go back there with someone um So I struggled with that. And then I also struggled with really being ready, being ready ultimately to admit all of the things that I brought up, but also being ready to move beyond it, like being ready to talk about it. Because given that I'd had the experience of being in and out of therapy and like my family had experienced very tra- various traumas. So like therapy, I, I, I didn't really grow up in a space. I was fortunate, honestly, to grow up in a family where the idea of going to therapy wasn't super stigmatized. Yeah, it, had its, it had its, you know, its, it had its stigmas in my family, but it wasn't as stigmatized as many folks grow up with. And because of that, there was the expectation from my family unit, from, from my parents, from my sister, that I'd immediately like, okay, you experienced trauma. This is what we do. Now you go to therapy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And honestly, I lied to my family. I told them that I had found a therapist and I, and I did find a therapist, but I told them that I was going to appointments when I wasn't. Because I didn't feel – I felt too triggered. I felt too upside down to actually be seeing the therapist. But I didn't feel safe enough telling – my and even my friends too. I didn't feel safe enough. I felt guilty, I guess. Or like I was doing something wrong. Or or almost like I was proving everyone else right of like, oh, she wasn't actually – it wasn't bad enough if she's not going to therapy it wasn't bad enough
0: did did your family know about the experience
1: yes okay yes i, I told them <laughs> it was a, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a messy scenario cuz it was christmas break where all the at all of the old friends hang out together so the night after the incident the same person was back at my house hmm. my sister had invited him and uh, I did not know that I was gonna be a thing. I hadn't told anyone at that point. But at, in, in seeing this person again, I, I mean, I pretty much went into full blown panic and uh, didn't really have a choice beyond explaining, like, this is not okay and I need this person to leave. So in that moment, in that moment, my sister and both my parents and a section of our friend group as well. Publicly found out what had happened,
0: and how did they react?
1: I mean, the answer is in sort of varying degrees. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I, I, I was fortunate in this experience in that I would say probably the majority. I'm working somewhat off of memory from 12 years ago, but the majority of people believe me.
0: Yeah.
1: And it is deeply not lost on me that that is not the experience. And in some of my later experiences, that was not the experience I was afforded. But in this first experience, from most people, I didn't get a ton of questions about like, well, but did you or well, but what or well, but how like, there wasn't a lot of that. Um, and there was also a lot of assuming, there wasn't a lot of questioning around kind of what do you need? There was a lot of assuming of, oh, okay, now this person is evil and now this person just needs to be gone and this person needs to be whatever and now you just Mm -hmm. need therapy and now you just need, like, it was a lot of... Okay, we believe you now how do you move on?
0: Yeah, like, okay, let's put a bandit on it and continue with life.
1: Yeah. And there was also you know, there were also I, you know, I was also gossiped about. I was also the evil one. I was also the liar. I was also the slut. Like they're 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 in the immediate experience, it was only my very my my immediate family and close friends who found out. And then in the aftermath there was more gossip and, you know, people calling me a liar, people saying that I was a slut, that those things happened, but they happened um, less to my face, I suppose, um, and more removed like a, you know, a couple of days or weeks after the fact.
0: How long, if, you know, if at all, did it take for you to, kind of be at peace with this experience and those following, or do you think it's an endless
1: battle? <laughs> My answer to that question is both. And yeah, um, because I have found peace and that, that feels, that feels really important for me to lead with because when I first had this experience I I didn't I hadn't heard stories from people who had experienced assault who had found peace mm-hmm. and I tried to find them and I, I wasn't able to for a long time and so for a long time I carried And it was, I mean, like, y'all, I would, I would, oh, goodness, I would lead with this, like, when I went on dates. Not quite lead, but like, it would come up, it would come up in first dates because I was so scared of people who I might be in partnership with, right? And that there might be, that I might get triggered. And that I might end up, like, trying to make out with someone and all of a sudden be a sobbing puddle. Yeah. Right? That I would, like, end up quashing the first date. It's not exactly a great first date conversation. But, like, I would end up quashing it because I'd be like, oh, just so you know, let me tell you, Here's my story. Here's my – Like, I would jump into it because I, I, I wore this experience like like a name badge. I wore it like this, like, a, like an identity of I'm yeah. someone who's been raped, therefore, sex doesn't get to be normal for me. Therefore, relationships don't get to be normal for me. Therefore, and so that's why it's so important for me to be like, that has not always been my reality. <laughs> like I have yeah. found moments of peace. I have a very happy, healthy marriage. Like I am married and it is, I'm so proud of it. And it's been a hard one. Like it's, it hasn't been easy and it has been possible. Which is for a long time, I, I didn't think that was true. You know? Um, yeah. And my husband and I, I, th- I mean, I don't know, I'm not on the, I'm not on the wall of anyone else's relationships and whatnot, but like, <laughs> I, f- from, I think we have some different conversations and we've had some different experiences around creating safety mm-hmm. in, in our sex life and our, in our marriage in general and our relationship, right? Like, and especially when we were first dating and in past relationships too, like I have had different conversations after this experience than I did before. Maybe that's because before this experience, I was talking to my boyfriend when I was 16. Could be, could be, you know, the difference between being 30 and married and 16 and in high school, right? Like, yeah. But, you know, it, it does affect It does affect the thoughts that go through my head when, I mean, in these times, like I don't tend to be out late at night walking home from the train. Like that's not a thing I do anymore. But like it does affect when I walk to the car. It does affect when I go for a run in the park. It does affect when a man comes up and starts talking to me. Like I do immediately get scared. I do immediately look around for ways to make sure I'm safe. I do constantly check in, like these are things that I do. And did I do them to an extent before? Probably. But there is it it's like this for me, it is this body awareness of, of like I'm I'm more attuned to the risk. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've said this to my husband many times, to friends of mine many times, like I wish I could turn it off. I remember actually I was um, last October, I went on a backpacking trip because backpacking are pretty socially distanced. Um, but I went on a backpacking trip with one of my best friends who is another woman. And I remember like just camping the experience of camping as two women and backpacking and being sort of like on our own, it was, it was interestingly, I could tell my anxiety levels were much higher than hers. And we actually talked about it, like, and talked about like my experience. of. I'm like, what do we do if someone comes up on us? And she's like, what are you talking about? We make friends with them.
0: Always in that kind of cautionary mode yeah of
1: like preparing for the worst and that's yeah when you've experienced it it's hard not to and in the vein of hope my navigation of that is so different like five years ago there are things i would not do right? Like I would not go places alone. I would, I probably would not have gone on that backpacking trip. Yeah. So it is, again, that's why I'm like, it's both. And does it live with me? Absolutely. And I think something that actually helped me tremendously in my healing journey is moving away from trying to fix what happened to me. And like, erase it. I was like, I was seriously, I was like, Mr. Clean trying to erase it from my memory.
0: Yeah.
1: And like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was one of my favorite movies. I was like, literally trying to chase that.
0: Love that movie. It's so good.
1: And I was, that's what I was, that's like, when I was in therapy, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to eternal sunshine it out of my mind. When I first learned what EMDR was, I was like, this sounds like Eternal, this sounds great. Yes, this please and i mean maybe i don't i don't want to sp- i won't speak to everyone's experience i don't know but my experience has been that it for me it has not gone away much like you know my really painful breakup from that boyfriend when i was 16. it still hasn't gone away but it that breakup never def- that's it did define me when i was like 16. But it didn't yep. define me for a long time. Whereas this trauma did define me, and I was living my life around it. And that is a lot less true, right? It's like the scar that when you rub up against it, you're like, oh, That actually kind of hurts." But it's not the splinter that you're still not trying to step on. I don't. Does that metaphor make any sense? Yeah. Well, and so for me, this this is something I read in a book years ago in my yoga teacher training or some such thing, but like the, so like the splinter versus the scar thing. We've all, I would imagine, we've all had the experience of having a splinter in the bottom of your foot, right? Mm -hmm. And... When it like especially one that gets really worked in that you're like, Ugh, okay, I'm kind of I'm gonna have to dig into my foot a little bit to get this out. Mm-hmm. And then when you avoid it, you avoid digging it out. But then you're constantly walking on the side of your foot mm-hmm. or walking on the inside of your foot, right? So that you you're like molding your whole body around not touching this one tender spot. Yeah. Versus taking the temporary experience of like okay this is gonna hurt i'm gonna have to take the tweezers i'm gonna have to dig in a little bit i might i might even have to like cut my foot open a little bit to like get actually get in there right or go to the doctor and depending i don't know i don't know if anyone's ever had to go to the doctor to get the splinter removed i have not i hope you haven't either but right like that moment where it's like i do actually have to cause myself some temporary pain to go into this thing to get it out yeah that that's so true right? And so for me, this experience for a long time was a splinter. And that's like when I was like going on dates or meeting partners or whatever, or meeting even new friends. And when I was like, that's what I was doing. I was basically like, wait, 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 but I have this splinter. So just make sure you don't talk about this. Make sure you just don't touch me here. Mm -hmm. And like literally and metaphorically, like make sure you don't do this thing emotionally, energetically, physically, so that I don't get hurt. And that for me was, th- when I was living that way, that's a lot of where I lost hope, you know? Cause like I was metaphorically walking on the side of my foot and like I was only letting myself live a part of my life But it was also really justifiable because it was – I was in so much pain. Yeah. I was so scared, you know, of experiencing the same or a similar kind of pain. I was terrified to touch it. And did –
0: what helped you, you know, metaphorically
1: just (laughs) – Take take the splinter out? out. out. (laughs) (laughs) This is my problem. I get on a metaphor and then we're like, wait, what are we (laughs) actually talking about? Um, so the therapy in a sort of traditional sense was huge for me and the thing that actually got me, I couldn't have written this story better if I tried, the thing that got me to my therapist, cause I actually, the, the, the thing that really shifted things for me was uh, I guess, essentially three things in tandem a really good therapist who also recommended group therapy. Mm -hmm. So I was in therapy and also in a therapy group that was, I mean, these people, I don't even have words for how absolutely incredible and transformational they were. Um, But it was actually my yoga, one of my first teachers as a student. And then the, the woman who taught me how to teach yoga, um, she was actually a social worker prior to starting a yoga studio. And so uh, I think it was probably two give or take years after this assault, after this experience, um, that I was in my yoga teacher training with this woman. i had been practicing with her for probably six years. And I remembered that I was trying to find a therapist And I was just striking out. I couldn't find someone I connected with. I couldn't find someone who kind of got it or I felt safe with. And I remembered that in the early days of the studio, the studio had shared space with a therapist. Like when the yoga studio was first starting, I was like, wait a minute. Suzanne might, she used to be a social worker. We used to, like, she might know someone and I've rem- I can literally picture this experience. It was like in the middle, on our lunch break of yoga teacher training, I was like, hey, so you know a lot of my story because you're my yoga teacher. I've shared, you know, you know a lot of my trauma. You know why I don't do certain poses. Like, you know, you know me. You've known me for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling. Do you have a recommendation? And so it was actually my yoga teacher who referred me to this therapist. And then, you know, even that experience of having like that, almost that community aspect, you know, of like someone who I already trust has sent me to someone who then I can trust a little more. And I could, for me, the the re the reason that I wanted to go to my yoga teacher for this referral, right, is that, again, I was 22, give or take, at the time. I'd been in and out of therapy for nearly 20 years, right? Like, y'all, I've experienced a lot more therapy than most 30-year-olds. I've been in and out of therapy, right, for a very long time. (laughs) For a very long time. And... So I've experienced amazing therapists, not so amazing therapists for me, mm-hmm. um, and all sorts of different types of therapy. And it was like, and especially by the time I was reaching out to Suzanne, my yoga teacher, I, 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 I felt like I hit this wall or this ceiling of like, I know my problems. I know my traumas. I can see where in my childhood this happened. I've talked about this. I felt like I just talked about it so much and I could see it all. Oh. But in terms of the way that I was experiencing and living my life, I and it wasn't that I'd made no progress. Like things were a lot better than they once were. But I still was I was still experiencing a lot of pain. I was still struggling in relationships. I was still seeing, you know, I was seeing the echoes of of my trauma in my life. And it was when it was when I actually filled out my application for yoga teacher training to, right, to apply to get certified um, or apply to take the training that, oh goodness, I wish I had went back and looked up the question. I think I think they just asked like, why do you want to teach yoga? And it was actually like a little one page form. It was very short. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I wrote like five mm-hmm. pages. Like I need, I attached extra pages. And I, I hadn't even been conscious of how much, cause I found yoga slash yoga found me when I was 16. And I didn't. I wasn't even conscious of how much it was saving me. It wasn't until this first experience of being assaulted that I was like, I need, like I remember consciously the day after, like I need to go to yoga. Couldn't have told you why. And that morning after, like I did go to yoga and it was hard and I cried. Like all I did was cry on my mat. I was like in child's pose and just crying. Mm-hmm. But a couple years later i realized that to an extent (laughs) i'm still in the process of learning how all this works but i realized that something about the safe space that i'd already created right like because i'd already been at this specific studio for uh, five six years five years by the time this assault happened I already had a safe space to have some agency around my body, Mm -hmm. right? Like I already had space to get quiet, to notice what was up with me, to honor my own needs. And eventually I realized like, wait, there's some, there's some magic in this. And I use like, I don't, I use the word magic cause I don't know a better one to describe it. Like there's, for me, there's something magical about the process of a yoga class and it's not inherent. Like it needs to be created. We need safe space. But for me, because I'd already had that safe space to an extent prior to the assault, It was like I knew already when I felt like I'd hit a wall in therapy and I couldn't find someone to help me. I knew my subconscious, my intuition, like I knew where to turn. And it was to my yoga teacher who then led me to the amazing therapist who also had a yoga practice, right? Like, and it was this beautiful duality where then I went to this therapist who knew that Suzanne had referred me to her. And so then she knew I had a yoga practice. So it was this beautiful intersection of like working with my nervous system and working with meditation and working with, like, it was this beautiful intersection of working with all of the stuff I had learned that therapy was quote unquote of like, talk about your feelings and write things down and whatever. Like it was that intersection of that meeting. And I feel like it's such a cheesy thing of like, yeah, we're coming back. The body keeps the score. Mm. And that's, and I mean, in in my reality these days, it's maybe not for everyone, but like that's such a given these days that our bodies know and we have to address healing inside of our bodies, especially when we're talking about sexual assault, like it messes with your sense of pleasure. It messes with your sense of feeling, right? Like And so as long as I was trying – this is the most long-winded answer to your question ever – but as long as I was trying to, like, brain my way out of something my body experienced, I was going to keep hitting that same wall.
0: Yeah. No, that's so true. And it leads me to my next question because for context for anyone listening – the way I you know, met or was uh, connected to Chelsea was through um, Megan Siniskalki, who was on a previous episode talking about her experience with uh, domestic violence. And she explained to me what Exhale to Inhale was, but I, I, I don't think I fully understood w- what the mission of the organization was until speaking to you mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Quick. You know, Elevator pitch. it's an organization that empowers those affected by domestic violence and sexual assault to transform their lives through the healing power of trauma-informed yoga. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So when I first heard that trauma-informed yoga, I I thought it was a type of like yoga class where like, hey, if you've been assaulted or come here, like big sign kind of. Right, right but there's actually a lot more to it which I'd love for you to touch on and kind of basically answer the question of what does it mean to be a survivor in a yoga class. Oh,
1: it means so many things and I want so first I want to I want to touch on ETI's mission which um is rooted actually it's one of the things I love about ETI is that it's rooted in its founding is rooted in story, right? Our founder Zoe LaPage witnessed peers, friends, community members experience, experiencing sexual assault and had, had experienced it herself anecdotally. Right. The healing power of yoga and set out on a mission to intersect Mm -hmm. the two. And, um, you know, some of the really cool things are that now, these days, years later, we have some really powerful data that confirms what Zoe saw and what I experienced as a survivor when, as like a 19 year old kid who was so deeply. I mean, I still feel like I'm a kid 11 years later, but like as a, as a kid who was so deeply in trauma and being like told on the one hand by, or sort of suggested on the one hand by like my parents, like, okay, just like go to therapy, talk about it, move on. Cool, you good? You had a couple sessions, you good? Yeah. And then on the other hand, like peers or friends not, not, even, know, not even wanting me to talk about it. So like, that's too much. And then some people who, thinking, who are thinking I'm a slut or I'm a liar or I'm trying to ruin this person, right? Like I was so flooded. I didn't know which way was up. I didn't know. And then I'm like, I'm in college. I'm supposed to figure out what I'm doing with my life now, right? Like I, I felt so lost. And back then when i couldn't even manage to get myself therapy you know what i could do could get myself to a yoga class because inside of a yoga class i didn't have to be the trauma girl the survivor girl the girl who got assault i didn't have to be that and the asterisk here is that there there's a lot of power inside being able to have that kind of anonymity, right? Like when you walk into a yoga class, you don't necessarily have to, like, you don't have to know the teacher. The teacher might not know anything about your history yeah. or what you're coming with, right? Which was to an extent, part of it was powerful. But then when someone came and I, I honestly, fortunately, I, I say I grew up. As a 16 year old, but like I grew up in a yoga studio that did not do hands-on adjustments. Mm-hmm. So touch was not a part of my an entry into yoga, right? But even still, there would be times where someone would suggest a pose. The one that I regularly go to is Happy Baby Pose, which is a an extremely like open pose for so vulnerable. frankly for anyone. Yeah. Like for anyone but especially someone who's experienced sexual assault, to the point that like, I almost never teach it in my class, period. All classes, public, I will almost never teach it. Plenty of people do it because they know it feels good in their body, but I will almost never teach it because when I was, when the only space that I felt sort of safe and okay was yoga, was in a yoga classroom, I'd all of a sudden feel deeply unsafe when a yoga teacher was like at the end of every class, okay, do a happy baby. And then when I would, I, I would either do it and just like try not to hyperventilate and feel like I was going to throw up or not do it. And sometimes have the teacher come over to me and just like stand by my mat and say it again. Yeah. Or be like, are you Okay. And then I'd feel like called out and I'd feel like, well, shit, I have to, right? Like I, when I came onto my mat, I felt this really valuable sense of anonymity. And like, I can, I can do what I want here. Yeah. Right. I, I'm here for me. And these little four corners, <laughs> my space, my body, I'm okay. Right. I'm safe here. That person to my left isn't gonna to touch me, that person to my right's not gonna to touch me, that, but no one's gonna to touch me. I'm okay. No one's gonna ask me how I'm feeling, no one's gonna ask me what I'm like, but they're gonna invite me to think about it. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, when I when I'd be in that moment of feeling like someone was pressuring me to do a certain pose, right? I it was like I lost all of that. It was like literally an hour of practice could be wiped away by that moment of like, oh, wait, I'm doing it wrong. Or, oh, wait, I have to do the thing that the teacher wants me to because they feel stressed that I'm not doing the pose, you know? So, and it's funny, actually, I, I learned about exhale to inhale because I was long before I ever joined the board, long before I lived in New York. Like in the very early days of exhale to inhale, I found out about them because I was like Googling trauma and yoga. And then, yeah, pretty. And then I found ETI because there wasn't that much back then when I was Googling, when I did my teacher training, like there just wasn't that much. We were founded in 2013 and there just wasn't that much out there about the the power of trauma and yoga. But these days we do have a lot of, we do have a lot of data about like how, Our methodology which is like it's still yoga but it is yoga and asana and classes that are taught in a way that really retain and focus that sense of self empowerment that sense of agency that sense of I get to choose what feels right in my body I get to feel in my body, I get to be in my body, in as little or as much as feels okay right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not the like Instagram perfect version of yoga with all the crazy poses. It tends to be, I mean, my practice as a, in my healing practice of yoga is much slower, much simpler. Than a lot of like cute, pretty flows or dancy things, or dramatic poses. And it's been one of the most healing things. I mean, it's been I do not say this lightly. Yoga studios and yoga classes have saved my life more than once. And the work of exhale to inhale is, I mean embodies all of the parts that saved me
0: that's incredible and it makes me really want to go to a
1: yoga class right now <laughs> and
0: it's true i feel like i i mean in a different way but there's some there's actually a really great yoga spot in um in austin called black swan yoga it's all donation based i've heard of them it's great i re- i really like them um like not getting paid for this but (laughs) whenever I'm there I feel very like it's very authentic if that makes sense yeah um and healing in its own way yeah um so my last question is what advice would you give to someone who had an experience similar to yours, um, particularly in the case of an assault. Um, I was speaking with a friend actually um, who was assaulted by a family member, a friend who was assaulted (laughs) by a friend. What advice would you give to those people who I mean, there's a number of terrible reasons that prevent people from coming out about their story, you know, Mm -hmm. not being believed, even if it was a stranger. Like, but I think the harder ones, not to minimize, you know, anyone's experience, but the harder kind of internal moral battles are when it is a friend, when it is a relative. And you know that sharing that story will shatter the family dynamic, will shatter the friend dynamic. So what advice would you give to someone who is going through that moral debate of self-preservation and but also wanting to preserve what has you know been a perfect outside look like from the outside quote unquote perfect it don't, doesn't yeah. want to just shatter
1: that image yeah um so i think they're, they're goodness i mean <laughs> that could be an episode this the answer to this question could be an episode in and of itself um but i think the first thing is to find your people those might be friends, they might be other family members, they might be new friends, they might be people from your yoga studio, they might be therapists, right? It could be like personal or professional people, but find your people to help you navigate that. And I think in doing that, I mean, I, doing that is really hard in and of itself. Yeah. Um, because, and it's one way that I was so fortunate, I'd already been going to this yoga studio. Like people knew me, my teachers knew me, right? Like they knew my practice, they knew. And so when I came to them and was like, I experienced this, right? It was, it was a different scenario, but I also, and this isn't going to be true for everyone, but I also, after my assault, There were some people who just happened to find out because of the way of things and then people told people and like there were plenty of people who just found out, but then there were the people who when I sat in it was like, who do I want to talk to. Like one of them was like one of them was actually my mock trial coach from high school. Um, One of them was actually an ex-boyfriend of mine, right? Like, and that I, I had that sort of intuitive trusting knowing of like, who are my people? And some of them were my yoga people. Mm-hmm. Some of them were my close friends, but like find your people who can help you navigate it. And then the second piece is, and these these they, it feels like a Venn diagram. These might overlap for some folks. They might not overlap for some folks, But the second piece is to resource yourself. And so that that might mean resourcing via having people to talk to personally or professionally. It might also look like resourcing yourself via finding a trauma-informed yoga class, finding a therapist, finding a therapy group, finding a, I mean, I don't know, the, the one I'm thinking of is Al-Anon groups. There's a, Cause there's a lot of intersection with addiction and assault. So like you might find yourself in an Al-Anon group. Like there's so many spaces where you can find resources. You might also learn a tool, like emotional freedom technique is a tool that I use outside of yoga that has ma- been massively helpful in my healing journey. But like whether it's meditation or breath work or therapy or like whatever the tool is, finding resources for yourself to navigate the long-term um, is really, 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 I found it to be really important um, because from my experience, it's it, it it's waves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the experience happens in waves. And I guess the, the final piece on this is that I – I am so presumably, obviously, um, but I'm so here for people sharing their stories and I often find that in the times we're living in, that can almost feel like a pressure that you have to share your story, or you have to, you have, right? There's this idea, like even in social media, that like, I have to be super vulnerable and put myself out, like, you don't have to. You don't owe anyone your story. Yeah. Right, like, I'm sharing, because I hope that anyone who's listening who has an experience like mine, who doesn't have resources, can either like please message me if you don't know, if you don't have people, please send me a message. Like, I am very open for this, yeah. right? I will help you resource if you don't have resources. Like, that's why I'm sharing because at this point, I am solid, I'm not perfectly healed. I've got scars, I get triggered, I have mom, you know, like that's true, and I'm okay, I'm good a lot of the time. But I'm not sharing because I think I owe anyone this story, right? Like, I'm not – and so that to me, like, in the vein of this nebulous space of, like, can I tell people? Should I – like, I don't want anyone to feel like they are muzzling themselves. Never. And – you don't have to be as public as I am. Like you, yeah. that's so not a requirement, you know, so. Same, I feel, I mean, I I
0: joke, but I mean, I have I've talked about, I mean, I have more issues in Vogue. Like I've talked about every single one on my podcast, <laughs> but, and I, I don't expect others to do the same, but I do hope that anyone listening, if they relate to any single one of the struggles I've gone through, can find a little bit of peace in knowing that
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm in a place where i i I, just as you said kind of
1: like you can come to me um exactly but and that's it like share if you feel called to share but that's you know so that's why you're that's why you're doing this because and i'm putting words in your mouth so please correct (laughs) me if i'm wrong but like you're doing this because you feel a degree of like, okay, I'm good. And also like, ooh, that was hard. Yeah. I wish I had had more people. I wish I had freaking known someone like, goodness. Like it, I, can't, when, I remember when we talked the other day and when you brought up suicide, like it's, there's this weird reaction. I'll speak to myself. I had this weird reaction because I was like, I felt a sense of ease when you brought up suicide because like, I was like, oh my gosh, me too. Yep. And it's a different context, but I was like, oh wait, this is someone who I can like, okay, I can be a degree more real with, more raw with, you know? So, so spot on. Yep. And like, that's the point. It's not, the point is we are, I don't know, I hate i hate generalizations but from my lived experience we are all in it and in it means different things in different contexts and different people in, a, in different lives right but like we are all in it and the more that we can collectively come together and be like whoa wait wait, wait you two shoot me too oh wait what did you do with this now my dog is eating paper uh but like what did you do with this what, wait, did you have a good therapist? What was your experience? I remember, like, as I've talked with um, some of my dear, dear, dear friends about healing childhood sexual trauma, things I would never have dreamed about talking about with a friend yeah. 10 years ago, right? But, like, getting to talk about my experience with EMDR, if anyone's not familiar, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, it is a type of therapy commonly used for trauma Um, but like I've had so many conversations about like positive EMDR experiences like oh I loved this when my therapist did that so with your therapist why don't you try that right like we've gotten to have so many positive experiences from just talking about it right and in the yoga studio I teach it we've gotten to have so many positive experiences from like me as a survivor being like hey that doesn't feel so great. Maybe not this. Maybe more of that, right? So like the more when we feel safe. And that's why the first thing I said was like find your people. Your people might be a person. Yep. It might not be a podcast. <laughs> it might not be a right? it might not be a therapy group. At first mine was my sister. My first person was my little sister who I was like I call her sir french for sister i was like sir this happened i can't deal right now please help me and she stepped in my little sister stepped in was my was my white knight and i mean to this day we've you know we jockey back and forth with who's saving the other but like my first person was my sister and then it grew and now it's this podcast and you know but like find your people because you being able to feel safe enough to say what's true for you which is which is from my experience going to change on a daily basis sometimes an hourly sometimes a minute by minute basis that is what's going to carry you through the long term of navigating something this this big this painful 100%
0: Well, Chelsea, thank you so, so, so much for sharing your story on my podcast. I feel incredibly just honored and in awe of you. I think you're incredibly strong, and I'm sure anyone listening would agree. Where can everyone, you know, follow you, reach out to you if they feel so inclined, learn more about your practice, um, your coaching, um, ETI, plug all the things.
1: All of the things. So first and foremost, um, we are at exhale to the number inhale on Instagram and then exhale to inhale.org. If you Google exhale to inhale, you can also find us. And we have a lot of really, really – juicy conversations and content coming out, especially through April around sexual assault awareness month. So we would really, really love you to hang out with us and engage in these conversations. And then I am at Chelsea Quint, Uh, (laughs) ChelseaQuint.com at Chelsea.Quint. I don't even know my own Instagram Mm -hmm. handle. Um, But pretty much if you Google Chelsea Quint, Quint is a pretty distinctive name. You can find me and seriously send me a DM on Instagram Chelsea at ChelseaQuint.com is my email, like any of the places. If uh, One of the greatest gifts that I've gotten to experience um, as a result of my pain um, is hearing people say – when people say to me, I've never told anyone else this before, but – it is one of the greatest, most humbling moments that I experience, and um, I think anyone who you know who holds space—I'd imagine anyone who holds space would a, would have the same experience. Like it's really humbling <laughs> to hold space for someone to share their deepest, deepest, darkest bits, whatever those might look like, and uh, that's. It's a big part of why I keep doing what I do because I believe that when we are able to, without filters, share those dark bits with someone who is gonna be like, hurt, yeah. Like not gonna judge, not gonna freak out, (laughs) not gonna be like, oh my gosh, you're so this, right? Like that in and of itself is so healing. And to, you know, I've been held by people who haven't been shook buy all my stuff, and then them being like, okay, cool, what are we going to do with it? You want to breathe? You want to move? Like, I just, I, pff, I don't even have words for how powerful that's been. So I rambled in response to that. But the point is reach out. Yeah. If you feel called. Definitely. You are not alone, and I don't promise this slightly, but you are not too much for me. <laughs> Whoever's listening, I, I, whatever your story is, this is not like a challenge, but <laughs> like you are not too much. And if you're someone who's felt like I can't say the things because it's too much or it's too taboo or people are going to be too triggered, or it's going to be too much. For, my dears, I am the queen of too much <laughs> and I love holding space for it. So
0: You're amazing. Thank you so much again and bye everyone. Music